Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mind to lead me through the night. Quite a bit lately I've been I've been thinking and remembering about our friend Ty, a student who found our church earlier this year. Our connection with him, I believe, began when a van of six or seven, it might have been eight of us, pulled over in a parking lot of Everett Community College and began to pray over that educational facility. And we prayed some very specific things. One of the things we prayed is that God would help us to reach the students and particularly that God would open the door to Asian students. And two weeks later, Ty came through the door. Uh, No one had ever met him from this congregation before. The first words out of Ty's mouth, he sat on uh, my right, your left, about four rows from the back. I'm interested in being baptized in Jesus' name. Is this a church that baptizes in Jesus' name? Brother Evan Graniger met with him, and, and in that first Bible study, three hours, Ty asked questions. And Evan kept pointing to Scripture and kept leading him in direction. And, and for three hours, Ty soaked up the Word of God about being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, after three hours, Evan wanted him to know that they could meet additional times and talk some more about the Bible and said, we can talk more. And Ty thought right then he was ready to go into the fourth and fifth hour studying God's word. He was so ready for that. It was just a few days after that that we baptized Ty in the name of Jesus. We waited because he wanted his sister to come. She had never attended a Christian church in her entire life, but she was here that day when Ty was baptized in Jesus' name. And just a couple of weeks after that, praying on his own, I remember him standing right here. Ty was worshiping and feeling the presence of God. I, I talked with him for a few moments. And I said, Ty, you got all the ducks in a row. Your attitude's right. Your spirit's right. Your knowledge is right. You're feeling the presence of God. I'm going to walk away. And as you continue to worship God, when you can no longer say things in English or in Vietnamese, you just speak what God gives you. That's the evidence of receiving the Spirit. And in just a few moments' time, Ty began to speak in a heavenly language as God gave him the words. As the Bible declares, he received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Unfortunately, he was on his way back home to Vietnam. He had ended his time here. We loaded him down on a Sunday, perhaps you remember, with many books to study. We continue to email him. Evan remains in touch with him. Uh, He responds periodically to emails. God knows what he'll continue to do in Ty's life. Uh, it, It strikes me, and what I'm compelled by is our entire engagement and involvement with Ty seems to have happened so quickly. He showed up on the scene, he very responsive and desirous of the things of God, and then he moved off beyond our control. He's headed back to his homeland in Vietnam. But so quickly, 
He pursued, he heard, and he responded to the things of God. Have you ever wondered why that is? Why do, why do some people experience God deeply and rapidly while others don't progress very fast at all? Yeah, have you ever wondered why some people seem to be repeatedly blessed by God? Just great things, kingdom things, Bible things keep happening in some people's lives and others don't seem to be blessed as often. Why is that? Why is it some people are constantly enjoying God's many benefits and others are? How can it be? How can it be that people have such different experiences with God? A few years ago, Nick Carpenter, the guy that was up here talking about moving buildings, I think he feels like he's like powerful when he says that, I move buildings. A few years ago, when I had first met Nick, he told me about a, a short story by a writer, Peter Kine. You can read the story. It's more like a pamphlet in probably a half hour or less. The story involves just a, a few main characters. There's a man by the name of Cappy Ricks. Cappy. He's a retired founder of a logging and shipping enterprise, and the story says he's been retired for 10 years, but he maintains an office at the complex, and evidently he's there a lot, and he keeps his hand in the mix, even though he's been retired for 10 years. Two main operations. One is called Rick's Logging and Lumbering, and a Mr. Skinner is the general manager of that operation, president and GM. And then there's Captain Matt Peasley. He's the president and manager of the Blue Star Navigation Company. He also happens to be the son-in-law of Cappy Ricks. So you got Cappy Ricks, you got Mr. Skinner, you got Matt Peasley. Now the story opens where the three of these men are discussing their need to fill a vacancy. They need an operations manager in their Shanghai office. And almost, uh, they're talking about it. They don't know what to do. They're tired. They've gone through managers. No one's been successful. So they say, in the short term, we're going to promote this guy and send him over there. He won't last. We'll tell him it's temporary. He's not the guy, but we got to have somebody over there. And almost immediately after they make that decision, a man by the name of William E. Peck makes his way into Cappy's office for an interview. He explains he's looking for a job. Cappy says, we don't have any positions, we're not hiring. But William Peck, Bill is a, he's a war veteran, and he walks in with a limp, and he happens to be missing the lower portion of his left arm. And he sits in that office with Cappy, and he shares his war story, and Cappy offers his consolation. Thank you for serving. I'm sorry for your injuries, uh, but I don't think we have a place for you. But Peck's reply, he doesn't back down. When Peck talks about his war injuries, he says, I got off easy. I have my head left. I got my right arm left. I can think. I can write. 
And Mr. Cappy, you need to know that even though one of my wheels is flat, he says, I can hike longer and faster and offer an order quicker than most. You need to give me a job selling lumber, Mr. Ricks. And at that, Cappy Ricks picks up a phone. He calls Mr. Skinner into the office and says, we need to offer this man a job as a salesman. And Peck does incredibly well. He goes off on his first sales journey, his first expedition. He's gone for two months. He covers five states in two months. In those five states, he's writing orders. He's selling lumber like nobody's business. In fact, they tell him, if you're any good, don't just sell the premium stuff, but we've got this low-class lumber that nobody can sell. And, and old Peck, he can sell it all. Bill can sell everything and anything. He's writing orders in five different states. He makes his way back to the office, and Cappy Ricks talks with Mr. Skinner and Matt Peasley. He says, you know what? Peck might be our guy for the Shanghai office. He might be the man who can take that over and make her go. But before we understand that, before we offer him a job, we need to test this man. We need to find out what he's made of. And Cappy, the retired owner, he says, I'm going to test him with delivery of the blue vase. Mr. Skinner Matt Peasley get a grin on their face. The blue vase? We're going to test him with delivery of the blue vase. Set the gears in order. So the game's on. On a Sunday in the afternoon, William Peck is invited to go to Mr. Skinner's house for a business meeting. He arrives at, at 1 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, and during the meeting, as they're discussing business, Mr. Skinner gets a phone call, and on the phone is Cappy Ricks. And Cappy begins to explain in the dialogue he's got a special task, and Mr. Skinner says, I'm unavailable, I can't do it, there's no way, I can't do it. And so Mr. Peck's in the room, and Bill Peck says, give me the phone, I'll talk to Cappy, I can do that job. And so they have a conversation, and Cappy explains this. He said, this morning I was out and about, and I saw in a shop window downtown a blue vase. And I want that blue vase. I want to use that vase as a gift to a special function I'm going to tomorrow. But I'm leaving on a train out of town tonight at 7.55. I need you to get that vase, get it to the train station by 7.45 so I can take it with me and make the gift tomorrow. Bill Peck says, yes, sir, I can get her done. I'll make it happen. So at 3 p.m., he leaves Mr. Skinner's house in search. Now, Cappy told him what the vase looked like. He told him about the storefront. He told him the block and the street where the vase was located. And so Bill Peck heads out, and he goes toward that street. He finds the block, and he, he gets the street, and he walks down one side and walks down the other, and guess what? No blue vase. So he does the block again, slower this time, looking in every window, making sure he hasn't missed anything. He goes up the next block the next time. He checks it out, and he finds out and there is no blue vase. Rather than quit, Mr. Peck extends his search. He goes a block north, and he goes a block south. No blue vase. He goes a block east, he goes a block west, no 
blue vase. He goes two blocks north, two blocks south, two blocks east, two blocks west. No blue vase. Part of his arm missing, a limp. Everybody with me? He goes three blocks northeast, southeast, and west. Four blocks north, southeast, and west. Still no blue vase. Most of us would have thrown in the towel by then. Finally, after five blocks away, he finds a storefront. He finds a window. And in the center of the window, there is a blue vase. And Peck says, this is it. He goes to the door. And sure enough, the door is locked. The shop is closed. He bangs on the door, no response. Bangs on the door, no response. And some would quick, Bill persists. On the window in the front of the shop, it says it's the shop of B. Cohen. And so Bill takes that information. He goes back to the local hotel where he's been staying, and he gets a phone book from the front desk, and he goes over to the pay phone. He cashes in a dollar for 20 nickels. This was a while ago. He sits down, he goes to the phone book. There are 19 Cohens in the phone book, and he proceeds to call every one. Obviously, there are no answers. There are some answers. None of the 19 is Cohen. So you would think, well, that's it then. Call it a day. There's no way, but not William Peck. William Peck decides, you know what? Maybe I got the name wrong. Maybe it's not Cohen. And he goes back to the store, looks at the sign. Sure enough, it's not Cohen, it's Cone. So he goes back to the hotel and he gets a phone book and he looks up the name Cone and there are nine Cones. He dials them all up and none of them are the person. So he gets phone books from three surrounding cities and goes out farther. He calls every Cone within the city and finally he lands on one. Yes, this is the man who owns the shop with a blue vase you are looking for. Excellent. Let me talk to Mr. Cone. He's not home. What do you mean he's not home? He's having dinner over at another place. Can I have that number, please? Yes, you can. He calls that number. And yes, indeed, Mr. Cone is at the house. He said, can I speak to Mr. Cone? He doesn't know who you are. He doesn't want to talk to you. Tell him the shop is on fire. Mr. Cone comes to the phone. Yes, what about my shop? No, it's not on fire. I want to buy a blue vase inside. I need that blue vase by 745. Mr. Cohn says, you know what? I cannot be there by 745. As soon as I could get there is 815. How about if my manager, sales manager, meets with you? That'd be fine. His name is Henry Juiced. You can call Henry Juiced and he'll come and meet you there. He calls Henry Juiced and guess what? He's not home. Most people would quit, would give it up, would call it a day, would head on back. Instead, Bill William E. Peck is now had it. He's fit to be tied. He said, forget this. I'm headed back over that store. I'm going to smash in that front window, and I am taking that blue vase. I am going to get that vase. No more of these phone calls. No more hobbling around. I got an amen out of Don. First one all year. Amen. He heads back over the store. He's fixing. He's going with determination and anger. He's going to bust out the front window. And when he gets there, there's a policeman in front of the building. Standing guard. 
right there in front of the building. He doesn't know what to do. He's frustrated. He's aggravated. He decides, you know what, I'm going to go back to the hotel. I'm going to call Henry Juiced one more time. And sure enough, he calls Henry Juiced home, and the sales manager answers the phone. He says, will you come? I want to buy the blue vase. He said, I got no idea who you are. He said, listen, I talked to Mr. Cohn. You can call and verify. He said, I will. If I can verify, I'll see you at the store at 915. So William Peck goes back to the store at 9.15. Henry Juiced is there. He's brought the policeman with him because he doesn't know what kind of nut has called him on the phone to meet him at 9.15 to buy a blue vase. The three of them go inside, and they go inside, and Henry goes and gets the blue vase, and he walks it over, and, and then uh, Mr. Peck says, All right, how much do you want for the vase? And Mr. Juice says, $2,000 cash. $2,000 cash. I got $10 on me. Will you take a check? No, I'm not taking the check. I don't know who you are. I don't know that your money's good. I'm not taking a check. He said, do you have a phone? Yeah, I got a phone. He calls on the phone, calls Mr. Skinner. Mr. Skinner, I got the blue vase. It's in my hand. I need $2,000. Do you have it? No, I don't have it. Will you come down here and vouch for it? People don't know me in this town. Will you help me get $2,000? No, I am not coming on Sunday night to help you get $2,000. That's ridiculous. Give it up and go back home. And Mr. Skinner hangs up. So Bill Peck then calls the other vice president, the other president of the other company, the son-in-law of Cappy Rick. Surely he'll come. He calls him up. Mr. Beasley, listen, I need $2,000. I found the vase. He said, you're crazy. Ain't no vase worth $2,000, and Cappy would never spend more than $200 on something like that. He ain't spending $2,000 on that vase. You have lost your mind. Give it up and go home. Click, and he hangs up. After two hang-ups, then he says, what's going on? Henry, the sales manager, says, what are you going to do now? And Mr. Peck says, well, let me tell you this. Do you know the value of diamonds, sir? He said, yes, I do. He said, I'm going to go back to my hotel. I've got a diamond ring. I'll bring it back here. If you will hold it as security, I will give it to you and take this blue vase. He said, sure, that's fine. All the while, he says, well, what are you going to do? You were supposed to deliver this by 745. He said, I got a friend who's a pilot, and he will fly me to Santa Barbara, and in Santa Barbara, I will go to the train station, and I will stop that train, and I will hand off that blue vase. He goes back. It takes him 40 minutes now. He's walked all over the city. He walks back to his hotel. He gets the ring. He comes back to the store. He trades the ring for the blue vase. Now it's late at night. He says, you know what? One luxury. I'm going to have dinner. Eats dinner. Glad that he's got the blue vase. He gets in a cab, takes a cab, goes to the airport. It's midnight now. He bangs on the door of his friend. His friend comes out, and they take off in the middle of the night in an airplane. They land at Santa Barbara 90 minutes later. It's 1.30 in the morning. He finds a taxi cab. He gets to the train station. Now there's a train coming down the track. It's not supposed to stop in Santa Barbara. And so Mr. Peck lights a newspaper on fire and waves it like a wild man off the deck of the train station to stop the train. The train stops. The conductor, what are you doing? I need to see Mr. Cappy Ricks. And so they let him on the train. They take him to his bunk in his area. And Mr. Peck bangs on the door at 2 in the morning. And they open the door and there's a a dreary-eyed, a bleary-looking, weary guy, Cappy Ricks. And he says, what do you want, Mr. Peck? He said, I have your blue vase. Cappy Ricks is impressed he smiles great big and he said man I never thought you would get it with all the things we put in the test to keep you at bay 
Mr. Peck starts to get upset with how he's been run all over town in this particular test. He said, but listen, son, it's going to be fine. You've proven your worth. We're going to make you the operations manager of our Shanghai office. It comes with a significant increase in salary. We believe in you. You are rewarded with this job because you passed the test. I don't know about you, but in the ridiculousness of that story, I've thought to myself many a times, forget the vase. How many of you thought, forget the vase? He was honored. He was rewarded. He was given the job because of his persistence, his determination, his resolve, his staying power, commitment. Some would say doggedness. He was rewarded. Jesus Christ answered his disciples. They talked to him about prayer, and Jesus shared these words in Luke 11 and verse 5. He said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. A friend of mine's come to me on his journey. I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. Jesus went on to explain, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he's his friend. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be Open Jesus, in teaching his disciples about their interaction, their relationship with God, he said, listen, you need to understand something. It's not just because he likes you. It's not just because you're a friend. It's not just because you've got a relationship. But there begins to begin rewards and blessing and promises when you, in this God interaction, you display persistence. The rewards will follow when we continue in spite of the difficulty and in spite of the opposition. I'm sharing a little thought and an understanding with us today. Some of us, when it comes to God, we don't enjoy his blessing. We don't enjoy his benefits. We don't enjoy his rewards because we quit too soon. Because with every little obstacle, we draw our faces down and we stick our lips out and we let our shoulders sag Because when every little bit of opposition, we quit and we throw in the towel. But Jesus explained there is something about God that he rewards, he blesses, he pours it out on those who persist, on those who continue, on those who stay at it. The writer of Hebrews explained God interactions like this in Hebrews 11 and verse 6. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him being God. For he who comes to God, who approaches God, who seeks God, who pursues God, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards those who diligently seek him. 
Listen, I, I don't want there to be any confusion this afternoon or at any point in time. Salvation is only by God's grace. There, there's absolutely nothing that any human can do to earn his sacrificial cleansing of our faults and mistakes. None of us can earn what he did at Calvary. None of us can be worthy of his forgiving power and his cleansing blood. We can never deserve his forgiveness. We're always in debt to his unmerited favor. That's the truth of Scripture. However, there is also this truth that Jesus shared, and it's reiterated in Hebrews. And that truth has to do with our relationship, our ongoing involvement with God. It absolutely depends on our diligent pursuit of Him. In other words, it's not a matter of our earning His blessings, but it is a matter of how interested are we in His blessings. You see, the things that God's offering in this book, they are absolutely free. But He is measuring our desire for what it is that He's giving away. He measures our interest in what it is that He offers for free. I can't earn it. I can't pay for it. But I do do need to want it. I need to desire what he has. God rewards those who persistently pursue him. God rewards those who sincerely desire his benefits. He he rewards those who earnestly seek His blessings. I, I, I remind us today, you get, you get weary in pursuing God. We continue to knock on doors and make phone calls, if you will, and we just can't get our hands on the blue vase. Can I just encourage somebody today? There is something about stick that God enjoys. There's something about persistence that God honors. The psalmist explained it like this in Psalm 34.10. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Wow, what a promise. Those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Psalm 63, the psalmist write, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Early will I seek you. I'm trying to open the door on what the difference is between those who live a blessed life and those who struggle from calamity to calamity. From those who enjoy the ongoing benefits of the kingdom of God and those who it's hit and miss God working in their lives. The difference is desire and the difference is early will I seek you. Early could have to do with the time of day. There's no doubt about it. Something about starting our day. Something about clearing our minds of everything else. And saying, I want God more than anything else. I want to start my day, my waking hours, with the power and presence of God. But hear me this afternoon as I offer that early means more than that. 
We want to have God's blessing and God's benefits. We want His rewards. He rewards those who diligently seek Him. If I'm going to update to a life that's rewarded, then I seek Him early in my decision-making process. See, some of us who want to make decisions and make decisions and make decisions, and if something goes wrong, then we'll talk to God. We want to make decisions and make decisions, and then if something is not quite perfect or it doesn't play out to the best of our abilities, then then we'll get God involved. But can I tell you that the rewards come when we invite Him early into our decision-making process, when we invite Him early into our relationships, when we invite Him early into our family and into our children and into the lives of those relationships. If I want God's very best in my my life. I seek him early when I'm making big financial decisions. I, I seek him early when I'm moving to a new place or relocating to a new location. Those who want the Lord won't lack any good thing because he rewards those who diligently seek him. Here's the thing. We don't have to live life long to realize this. Life in this world can be an awful lot like a blue vase test. Circumstances in life come against us. You know, whatever. Addresses aren't right. Phone numbers aren't right. Names aren't correct. Vases aren't where they're supposed to be. People don't answer the phone. People aren't home. People won't help. Time runs short. Trains leave town. Opportunities pass. Some of the challenges we face are just part of being a human in a fallen world. Some of the challenges we face are the result of our spiritual enemy, our adversary coming against us. Some of the challenges we face, I mean, let's be candid, they're our own mistakes and we cause the problem. But regardless of where our challenges originate, what you and I must determine is how will we respond to the challenge? Can I just sound the bell to everyone in the audience today that God rewards the William E. Pecks in his kingdom. The guy's named Bill who may have been at war and you may have a limp and you may be missing part of your arm and you may have had a, a rough background, but you know what? You can't knock me down and you can't turn me away and you can't point me in another direction. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on pursuing. There's no quit in me. There's no give up in me. And when I've decided and I've determined I've received the direction from the hand of God. I'm going after it. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to have what he has promised. Why is it? Why is it that some people experience God deeply and rapidly? People experience God deeply and quickly because God rewards those who persistently pray. 
Because God rewards those who are determined to be in a worship service like this. Because God rewards those who are determined. I am going to gather with a house full of believers. When the Spirit of the Lord moves, I will be there. The determination that says I need to be a part. God rewards the determined. Some people seem to be repeatedly blessed by God. You know how that happens? Because God rewards those who have a commitment. You know what? I'm tired today, but I'm going to read His Word anyway. You know what? I'm a little short on time, but I'm going to read His Word anyway. You know what? I'm having a little trouble with the lighting. I'm going to read the Word of God anyway. How come we're running late for work? We ditch the word of God, but we make sure to get a bowl of cereal. We're running late for work, and I can't play the audio of the Bible while I'm commuting, but I can play the stupid news. Tell me which one better. Listen, he rewards the persistence. He rewards those who will not back out, who will not give up, who will not turn around. There is something about it. God rewards the diligent seeker, the one who keeps coming back. But preacher, you don't know what my family's done. Neither did Bill Peck, but he kept chasing that vase. I, I'm telling you, Jesus said, it's not because of your friend that your prayers are answered it's because you're persistent I just keep at it rather than going down the list of excuses and the list of reasons that might very well be valid they very well cause trouble they do cause issues they do throw us back but you know what here's what I see I've been at this a long time And let me just tell you, whatever circumstance you are in, and when something comes up, you throw in the towel to your prayer, you throw in the towel to your Bible reading, you find every little reason and hiccup to miss church, but you're faithful to work. I'm just going to tell you, I I can't dictate your reasons, but with that kind of determination, you'll not enjoy godly rewards, period. I'm sorry that that's the way it works out. We cannot be haphazard and uncommitted with God and enjoy His benefits. But for everything that I've come up against and everything that I've dealt with and everything that you're dealing with, there are people, I have seen them in human form, who seem to keep committed. They stay committed. They go through the same kind of trash you're going through. They go through the same family situations you're going through. Oh, my spouse isn't serving God. So what? People do that all the time and they serve God as single adults. Understand it. You can serve God. I wish it was better for you, but you can serve God. I wish it was smoother for you, but you can serve God. Others have made the choice. They decided it doesn't matter if nobody helps me. I'm going to do this. My kids are giving me fits. Welcome to reality. Like people who don't serve God, their kids are angels. Really? Do you read the news? Well, if my job was better, if this circumstance was better, if that circumstance was better, come on. 
Come on, I'm polling for some people today. Hear me. You hear this preacher. As we get closer to the returning of God, it is not going to get easier to serve God. And if you're boohooing around right now and baby caking it and looking for every little reason not to be persistent, I just want to tell you, you're not going to make it. It's not going to happen. But I'm preaching today to prevent that from happening in any of our lives. Listen, it needs to be that I got a determination. I got a commitment. I, I, I got something in me that I am just not. Well, you know, I went to the address and it just wasn't right. Listen, I hate it that we have a parking problem here. I do. I hate it. I, it's one of the reasons we're going to try Saturday morning. Until God gives us a building with parking and a better solution, we're going to try whatever we can try. But can I just speak to us for a moment? I know it's frustrating when you get here and you can't find a spot and when you have to drive. But if that's going to keep me out of the house of God, we don't have the persistence he's talking about. Well, it was inconvenient. It didn't fit my schedule. I understand that. 3 o'clock in the afternoon doesn't fit people's schedules. 11 a.m. on Saturday isn't going to fit everybody's schedule. I understand that. If we had the staff and the power to have church seven days a week, I'd do it. We'd try to meet everybody's schedule. But here's the deal. You know when people come to church? When they commit to it. And they say, well, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do my level best. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to visit with people. I'm going to, I'm going to pray about this because I believe he owns a cattle on a thousand hill. He can work things out. He can make things happen. I'm going to be in the house of God. Man, I'm preaching against a spirit of quitting that's in this stinking county. I'm giving up and throwing in the towel and I'm not going to do it. It's a spirit that is in this region. Listen to me. It's just quit. I'll just quit. I'll just quit. I'll get another job. I'll move into another house. I'll get another spouse. I'll have more kids. It's a spirit we live in. I'm preaching for us to understand. That's not the spirit that God rewards. But preacher, I felt the Holy Ghost. I, I was baptized in Jesus' name. I, I, I repented of my sins. Awesome. That's a beginning. That's a start. But we don't continue with him by patty caking around with Jesus. It's got to take something within us that says, I know he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those who keep coming back. Those who say regardless of trouble, regardless of challenge, regardless of atmosphere, regardless of situation, regardless of what's happening, I'm going to keep coming back. I'm going to get on my knees every day. I'm going to be in his word every day. I'm going to fellowship with believers as often as I can. I'm going to associate with the body of Christ as often as I can. I'm going to persist. 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 Keep after it. Here's what the Bible says. Scripture says, and I didn't give you this verse, so everybody's going to have to write it down and just believe I'm telling the truth. 1 Timothy 4.1 Paul tells Timothy, his protege, 
Now the Spirit expressly says. The Spirit expressly says. That in latter times, some will depart from the faith. One translation says, some will abandon. Another says, some will turn away. People will leave. You know... We find our reasons, we find our excuses, we point our fingers, we point this, that, and the other, we explain this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, when he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, it will be those who stuck it out, who stayed, who committed, who invested. So I guess the question is this. Do I want a life rewarded by God? Do I, I want to be the kind of person that my neighbors see, man, it just seems like good things keep happening in that person and in that family. Because God rewarded. Because God rewarded. It happens by persistence. Would you raise your hands, look to heaven all over this place? Would you do that right where you're seated right now and you just call out to the Lord? Would you just speak to the Lord right now? However you feel compelled to respond to the word and the spirit right now, would you just open up your mind and your heart, your attitude, your demeanor right now? Come on. Lord, in your name and by your power, I pray right now, Lord, that there is an attitude and a demeanor of persistence and diligence and commitment, Lord, that, that sweeps over anew and afresh in every heart and in every life, oh God. I pray, Lord, that there is faithfulness that's instilled into every mind, into every family, into every individual. Oh Lord, that there is a new level of diligence and sincerity sincerity and earnestness oh God that speaks into every life oh Lord we want to be those Lord that live in your blessing that live in your power that dwell in your rewards Lord I don't want to stop by now and then I don't want to see you Lord just when I'm in trouble but I want to live in your glory I want to live in your power I want to live in your authority oh God I want to I want to dwell Lord in your house and in your gates You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. You give me peace.